So we could say that this story, God is the host of the great feast or the, or the banquet. And the first invites could have been the Jews. But they rejected him, even though they had no reasons to. You know, the Jews, they thought they were good enough. This story was told in a home, uh, in actually in, in a home of a Pharisee. Like you look earlier in the, in the scriptures and, and Jesus is in that home dining with the Pharisees and, and, and the, the leaders and, and whoever in that, in that place. And, you know, he, he dined in their home and the statement, what a privilege it would be to have a share in the kingdom of God would have probably came from a Jew who was sitting in, on that table. And it's kind of like, when I read it, it kind of feels like kind of a bit of an arrogant statement. Like the Jews thought because they were born a Jew, they were automatically saved or they were favored or they had something special, which in a way the Jews were favored. But they thought that because they were a Jew, that their salvation was sealed. They didn't really have to do anything. They didn't have to really follow Jesus. You know, myself, I was born in a, um, a Swiss Christian family. So I'm Swiss. I, I became Swiss because of my parents were Swiss. I was actually born in Switzerland. So I automatically became Swiss, and I still am today. I'm neutral. I don't fight. <laughs> um, but I didn't become a Christian at my birth. Because my parents were Christians, that didn't make me a believer. That didn't make me a Christian. That was something that, you know, I had to decide. I decided that years later. As a, as a young boy, I, I was a believer, but, you know, I didn't become a Christian because maybe I was christened or maybe I was baptized as a, as a little baby or, or maybe, you know, here we, we dedicate our, our little ones. That doesn't make us a Christian. That doesn't make us a believer. That's just, that's just preparing us for what is to come. We have to make that decision in our hearts. And the Jews thought because they were Jew, they were automatically saved. You know, the Pharisees in this case, and in many stories when I read about the Pharisees and the, the, the religious leaders, they often look down onto people. They look, they look down and, and they thought that they were the most holy people. But Jesus... Jesus was good. He always challenged their thoughts. I love it like when Jesus just sometimes it was just blunt like do this or you shouldn't think like this or this is how you're thinking, you shouldn't be thinking. And other times kind of like this story, he, he kind of he, he gives this story and they could be thinking, oh, are they talking about me or like, you know, and that's why at the end I feel like the Jew was like, oh, how good it would be to be in, you know, the kingdom of God. Like, you know, they, they just, but Jesus challenged their thoughts. You know, these guys, the, the first invites that came out, they made worldly, ridiculous excuses, not reasons. The first one, he purchased some land. Like, I don't know about you, if you're going to purchase land, and some of you may have houses in this place or land or whatever, I'm sure that when you purchased that land, you would have went and, and um, checked it out. Isn't that right, Rick? You would, when you purchase land, you go and you check out the place. You, you look where, where it's sitting, like what shops are in the area. Or, or you, just, you probably would check it out. But he says that he had to go and see the land. And it's like, it's a ridiculous excuse because like maybe someone said, oh, it's, it's, it's great land. Okay, I'll buy it. And maybe he did do that. But 
He could have waited till the next day until he would go see the land that he's just purchased. It's going to make no difference at all if he goes now or tomorrow. So his excuse was an excuse, not a reason. He, he prioritized that over being in a relationship, over having dinner with people. You know, the second, he put work first. He just bought um, 10 oxen and uh, he, he says, I've got to go and try them out. And like, I don't know when these invites went out, but maybe they were, I don't know if they were the same day or whatever, but like he could have tried these out any time or maybe he bought them in that afternoon. He could try them out the next day. Like you don't buy oxen. I've never bought oxen, but I would say that they were pretty good animals in that time. Like they did the work, they, they worked on the land and they would have been good animals. And and the Bible talks about, you know, sacrifices, things like that. They were always good animals. So they wouldn't have been these weak oxen or cows. They wouldn't have been weak. They would have been strong. They would have known that these are good working animals. So they didn't, he didn't really need to go and try them out. So another ridiculous excuse. The third, newlyweds. So I feel like that when you're newly married, Jordan Brielle, yeah, I feel like you're more social, or you are social. You want to hang out with people. Yes, you want to, you know, get to know each other, and but you're social. And, and I feel like they just like, oh, I've just been married, so I can't come. It's one dinner. Like, surely they could have made that dinner. I, and I, when I bumped into that verse in Deuteronomy, I was actually reading about newlyweds in that time. So they, um, they were actually, they didn't have to go, into the army or take any leadership responsibility for a whole year. So when you were newly married, they said, just, just rest, just be with each other, but we're not going to ask you to go to the army. We're not going to go and um, give you leadership responsibility in that time. But they, this, is, this wasn't the excuse. You know, this, this, they just said this, uh, we just can't come. So all these people basically didn't want to come. They didn't want to go to the dinner. These... And these were all good things that they were doing. It wasn't bad. It wasn't sinning or, or turning from God. In a way, it was. But it was things that we can easily relate to. And, you know, when we become comfortable, we easily come up with similar excuses. The world today doesn't have time for God or Jesus. You know, we might be too busy with our investments, like the first person. We might be too busy in the paperwork and sorting out in our, our investments and we just don't have time for church. We don't have time for connect group. We've got too many investments on the mind. I've got to travel here, 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 sort out these properties. Or, you know, maybe we're like the, the second person and, and many of this, you know, myself, I've, I've been like this as well. Uh, work comes first. Like, well, I'm just too busy at the moment. I need to, I need to be at my work. I need to do my work. Um, I, can't, I can't make it to church at all anymore. I can't come to connect group. I can't come to prayer meeting. It's just work comes first. Or maybe it's, it's our relationships or worldly affections or, or even family. Like we're putting all these things first before we put God first. So then the servants go out and invite a whole lot of people who were local people who were just right there in their city. But he says, go out and invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. All these people would have probably been rejected or 
um, you know, not accepted maybe all their lives. And they, they were looked down upon, that people would walk past them every day and they might have been calling out for, for money or whatever they were calling out. People would just ignore them and, and, and they just didn't get any attention from anyone because of their, their situation. But then, but then he says, go out and invite these people. Invite those who, who are actually hungry, actually hungry in an in a, you know, eating sense, but hungry for, for God as well, hungry to be, be someone different or maybe God could heal them. They were so hungry. So let's go out and invite those guys that, that maybe the Pharisees wouldn't have invited. But then they came and then there was still room and, and there was still room for the banquet. There were still some empty seats. There were still some tables that he wanted it to be full. You know, he wanted that place to be full of guests. So he says, go into the country lanes, which could have mean, which means, you know, leaving this city. Go out of this city and go into the country lanes. So probably referencing to the Gentiles. They were probably referencing to people who, who, who weren't favored, who people who were out there who, who, who were just on the outside of the city, so they weren't included in, in salvation. They were, weren't included in, in the presence of God. They were out. But now they said, go out and invite them. Go to the country lanes. Go and, go and, and get people behind the hedges, which I kind of looked that up and I'm like, hedges is... Hedges was normally, um, you know, around someone's property or around someone's home. And uh, that means go out behind those hedges and grab the, the workers or the people of the farms. And, and also maybe those people were, were looked down upon as well. And, but he said, go and get these people and invite them to my dinner. He says in verse 23 of what we just read, urge. Urge anyone you find to come. You know, none of these people would have felt worthy to be invited. You know, they wouldn't have been worthy to be to accept this invite. They would have just, they would have maybe they had negative thoughts, and because of things that have happened in their lives, they would have just said, "I'm just not worthy to come and and to 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 be in the presence of God or to be in that place where there's all." all popular people or all people who, who should be there. But why have you asked me, God? I, I, you know, they must have had all these excuses. And, and, you know, the story basically says, don't allow them to have these excuses. I've already had these excuses. Well, I've just let them go. But don't allow these guys to have these excuses that they're not good enough to come to the table. He wanted them to come and enjoy this feast. You know, sadly, the story ends with Jesus saying, the people who rejected the invite or rejected Christ will never eat at his table or never enter his kingdom. You know, and that is a picture of, of, of salvation and of eternal life with God in heaven. And I know it sounds harsh, but like when, when we don't accept his invite, that, that is the result of it. Like he, he, he wants everyone to come to this dinner, but he can't force you to accept the invite. We read in uh, Matthew, a couple of books before, in Matthew 7, Matthew 7, uh, 21 says, 
And this is the true title, the true disciples. Not all people who sound religious are really godly. They may refer to me as Lord, but they still won't enter the kingdom of heaven. The decisive issue is whether they obey my, my Father in heaven. And it goes on to say, On judgment day, many will tell me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and perform many miracles in your name. But I will rely, I will reply, I never knew you. Go away, the things you did were unauthorized. You know, this, this verse, I used to look at this verse and it used to bring fear into my life. Because, you know, I've, I've, I've prayed those prayers over people. I've seen people set free. I've seen people healed. I've seen people set free from demonic things. Like I've prayed those exact prayers. And as a young boy, I would read this and go, but then it says, I never knew you. Go away. And I just went, oh, why did that have to be in the Bible? And I used to fear. I used to, at night, I used to think, but God, why, why, if, that, if that's me, I'm in trouble. What if that's me? But he, at the start, it's clear. It says that people who, who sound religious or who, who, who look holy on the outside, and, and he's referencing, I guess we can reference to those Pharisees who, who were, were holy and, and, and they did everything right. They were, did everything by the law and they did, they, you know, they even challenged Jesus. They challenged people and they, they were the people, if you did something wrong, that you would get in trouble by them. But you know what? They didn't have a relationship with Jesus. Jesus was there in person, yet they still rejected him. They still said they still were looking for faults in Jesus so that they could take him to the cross. That was their whole aim to find fault in Jesus. Oh, he said that. Oh, he healed on the Sabbath. He should be resting. And Jesus, like I said before, he always had the answers. He always had the challenges. And you know what? They didn't have relationship with Jesus. We talk about there's power in the name. There is power in the name. I believe it with all my heart. So these guys were using God's power, but then it says they didn't come under, like they were not authorized to do those things. So basically they didn't come under God's, can say this word, God's authority to, to go out there and pray. So they had no relationship with him, so they had no, no right to use his name to see people healed. So, I, so that actually kind of relieved it from me. Like it kind of went, oh, you know what? I have relationship with God. You know, I do talk to Jesus and I do want to obey his commands. I do want to obey his word. I do want to obey when the Holy Spirit speaks to him. I have that relationship with him. Yes, I might do things wrong. Yes, I might, you know, stuff up or, or, or lie or whatever things come my way. But you know what? I have that relationship with Jesus. I just give it to him and, you know, I keep moving on. And, that, and that's, that, I hope that that frees people in this place today. That, you know, it's not about how you look on the outside. It's not about, you know, how holy you are. And yes, you know, they are good things as well, but it's, it's, what, it's in your heart. And we, we spoke about the heart a few weeks ago. It's about that relationship that we have with our Savior, Jesus. Can anyone say amen and agree to that and is excited about that? I hope that brings freedom to someone here. You know, there is power in the invite. Who believes that? There's power in the invite. It made me think of the first disciples. You know, Jesus, the first disciples were actually fishermen. And Jesus was walking along the beach 
and he would have seen these guys. And they were the, the first ones um, were Peter and Andrew, or uh, Peter is also called Simon and Andrew. And um, he would have seen them working, and, and he said, you know, come follow me. And they could have just went, they could have given an excuse. Oh, I need to, you know, I'm just here with my dad. Uh, and, you know, we've been catching heaps of fish all night. And we're just, you know, we're doing this. We're, we're going to go back out tonight. And, but I need to work. I need to work. But you know what? They dropped everything. And they said, yep, I will follow Jesus. In that moment, they followed him. You know, he saw something in them. And he called them to be his disciples. He saw something different in them. He, you know, in, in some uh, scripture it says that, that you will become fishers of men. So they were obviously fishers of fish, but you will become fishers of men. So he saw something in them that he, you know, like a, maybe a leadership over them to go and be fishers of men. And then he keeps walking along the beach and uh, he sees two other brothers, James and John. And they were also working. They were actually, they had just gone out fishing and they, they must have had a, a big catch, a lot of catch, or maybe they caught a whale or, or something because their nets had broken and they were there just fixing up their nets. And uh, they were there with, with their father as well. And Jesus says, come, follow me. And immediately they dropped their nets. And again, they could have said, Oh, I'm just helping dad fixing up the nets. You know, this is, our, this is our work. This is our income. If we don't fix these nets up, we won't be catching fish tonight. So we have to um, fix these nets. But they got up and they followed Jesus. You know, Jesus got four key disciples in that moment. But it all came from an invite. It all came with Jesus. Jesus could have walked on that beach and and because it might have been the local beach, they, they, they would have known him and uh, he would have known them. He could have walked past and, hey, Jesus, and they're like, oh, yeah, hey, John, hey, 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 who was the other one? James, and hey, Simon, hey, Andrew, like, you know, had, had a good day. And uh, he could have done that, but, but he didn't. He gets their attention and he calls them to something higher. He calls them to something higher. He later then calls out Matthew, who was working at his tax booth. Now, this is an interesting one. And, uh, you know, these guys were not very loved. Like the ta the tax they had to collect the tax, but uh, these guys would cheat the system. They would, they would tell people that, that this was the amount of tax that you should pay, and they'll tell people that it was actually more than what they, they should pay, and then they'd pocket the, the, the profit. So they'd pocket what was not theirs. And so they were dodgy tax collectors. And I'm thankful that, you know, today we have proper things in place where we don't have, hopefully, dodgy tax collectors, which some of you go, yeah, we do. <laughs> but, you know, these guys, they were not loved. They were not loved because they knew that they were doing the wrong thing, but they had no power in them to, to change it because they were under, you know, the, 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 under government to, to take the the, um, the taxes. You know, Matthew would have known he was in the wrong. He would have saw Jesus coming and he would have known that he was a dodgy tax collector. And, it, and you know, it wouldn't have been on his mind that Jesus would even ask him to follow him. He wouldn't have even, he would have maybe saw that these other guys 
uh, um, chose to follow him and he said, oh yeah, you know, they, maybe they were believers and they were fishermen at the time and they just said, yep, this is what we're going to do next. That was their, their next step. But um, he, he would have just went, ah, but Jesus is not going to ask me. Jesus, Jesus knows I'm dodgy. There's no way he's going to ask me. He would have not felt worthy of that invite. You know, this is an illustration that the invite is for all people. The Bible says salvation is for everyone. And it's such a perfect illustration of the love Jesus has for us. And like the love that he has for every single one of us. And no, no matter what journey we are on, no matter where we are at with God, no matter if we were once with him or, and, or we are no longer and we've walked away, no matter where we're at with God, he loves you so much. And that invite is out for every single person. But you know what? He never forced it upon anyone. He never said to those guys, you have to come with me. But he just put the invite out. Come, come with me. Be my follower. And they could have gave, given those excuses, but they didn't because they were ready, because they were willing. They were willing to, to follow Jesus. And in that moment, Matthew immediately leaves his booth. He leaves what? He leaves what in that moment becomes his past. He leaves that dodgy tax collecting business and he follows Jesus. And there's something about when we have an encounter with Jesus and there's, often, there's a lot of stories in the Bible of encounters with Jesus that, that change people's lives. And I think God, Jesus, when he was on earth, he was so compelling. There was something about him that was so compelling because everywhere he went, he drew crowds. He drew people to him. And everyone who had an encounter with him changed. And this Matthew, he changed because he had an encounter with Jesus. And so he invites him to dinner. He invites him to his home. But the Bible says he also brings other colleagues, so other dodgy tax collectors, and other notorious sinners. So you can imagine the Pharisees would have seen this. And they would have just been like, I can't believe it. Jesus is going to, he's actually accepting this invite and going to Matthew's home with all these other people that no one loves. Why is he going there? Why is he going there? And you know, they weren't popular. No one loved them. No one liked them. And the Pharisees, they, they respond. They say to Jesus' disciples, why does he eat with such scum? Oh, how harsh are they? How harsh are they? You know, they were so judgmental. That, that, that line just shows how judgmental they were, calling them that. Nasty. I would never dare to call that to anyone, even if they were that. And yet they, they openly just said, that's what they are because of their situation. But Jesus replies in Mark 2, 17. Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I love Jesus. He was just so black and white. I, Jesus, have come to call sinners, not those who think they are already good enough. You know, the Jews, like I said, they thought they were good enough. But Jesus is not interested in, in people who, who think they're good enough, who think that they don't need Jesus in their life. You know, sometimes I, I look at um, people in, in Australia. Like I've been to a lot of 
Asian countries and, and, and some poor areas of those countries, and you see how desperate they are for a God. They, they, you know, they believe in the spiritual world. They believe in that, that spiritual space, but it might not necessarily be God. And, you know, you see such incredible, like just crazy sickness and diseases upon these people, and you just think they are so desperate for a God that can heal them. And when you go to them and give them a message that God loves you and God wants to heal you, they, they just open up to it. They're so hungry for something that will heal them. Yet, you know, in Australia, I feel like that, you know, we don't need God. I feel like we, we do need God, but I feel like people don't need God because we have enough. We have money. We have good jobs. We have great health system. We have, this is a, like a, a great land to live in. So we don't actually need God. But then I look at when, when people actually go through something, go through, through troubles or, or um, they go through hard times, they look unto God. They look unto God. And I want to be a nation where we don't just go to God when we have problems or issues. I want to be a nation where we have a relationship with God, where we have a relationship with Jesus, where we, you know, it's about every morning we talk to Him and praise Him and worship Him and thank Him for what He has done for us. Not just like a doctor, just go to him when we're in trouble. You know, I saw some uh, interesting stats, and if we can have the, the band come up, that'd be great. I saw some interesting stats this week on Australians and church. And they're the first stat. Around 51% of all Australians do not have any close friends or family who attend church. That's a lot of people. I don't know, what, what's the population at the moment? Say so 20-something, 20 25 million? So 12 million people in Australia don't have any close friends or family who attend a church. And I, I looked at that and I, I kind of made me feel a little bit depressed. But then it was challenging at the same time. You know, we need to get out there and meet non-Christians. Like if, if you can say to yourself, I don't know any non-Christians, I feel like we're doing something wrong. We're like, we're just feeding ourselves. And, and, and this is for, this is my, for myself as, as well. Like I feel like we need to get out there and change that stat. 51% of Australians don't know close friends or family who attend church. And I love it on Friday night. That was such a great opportunity where we went out there and in our community with 30,000 or so people and we could go out there and show them that we're here, show them that we're a church and, and just love upon them and, 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 you know, give them free lollies and give them invites to our table. And we just went out there. I love that. It was such a great opportunity. And, there's, and people who were coming into that place, it was so cool to see their smiles on their faces and they walk out with tattoos all over their arms and just so happy. And all we were doing was just giving a few things away and just being out there friendly in the community. That's what we want to do more and more, is get out there and change that stat. You know, the second stat, 40% of Australians would go to church if they were invited by a close friend and family. How cool is that? 40%. Sometimes we fear the invite. I've been through that. I still do. I fear the invite. But when I think 40% are going to say yes, you know, often you, you, might, you might invite 10 people. That's four people who's going to say yes. 
for people who will be open to coming to a service and coming because you invited them. The third step, the top two most common church events someone will accept. And this actually surprised me. The top two common church events someone will accept and invite to or attend in 10 is a regular church service, number one. And, and it was actually equal with a Christmas service, one and two. I just think, wow, sometimes we look at our church service and we've got to do something different. We've got to get out there. We've got to, we've got to put this event on. We've got to do that. We've got to do this, which are all good things. But then I think people, if we invite them to church, they're going to come. They're going to come. And don't, don't feel uh, defeated when they don't come. I know some of these invites can take time. I know some of these invites can take years. You know, people have got names in your, your minds right now and you've invited them so many times and they've said no. But one day they will come into this place or a church. You might invite them to another church. You know, Jody invited this girl. You've heard this story maybe before. Some of you haven't. Invited this girl for years and years and years to come to you. She never came. Declined it every single week. I'm not going. I'm not going. I'm not going. She kind of gave up on her. But then years later, she saw her walk to the front and give her life to Jesus. And it wasn't even from her invite. And she was like, I can't believe. I can't believe that all these years you said no. And in this one time, you came. But you know what? She was sowing the seed in that person's life. She was sowing that seed. You know, Friday night. And I, I, I just actually think, like, in this, in this moment, as I go through this last part, we should get out our phones, right? I'll give you permission. Not that you need permission because you do whatever you want. Why don't you text someone that you've been invited? Why don't you text them? And, and maybe it's just, I've been thinking about you or, or you want to invite them to the, the, to the Christmas table. Why don't you text them right now and say whatever you want to them? And be friendly and, and, and invite them to something. Or maybe, maybe you maybe you, you, you would rather see them in person and invite them, which is always better. But if you want to do that as well, we've got multiple um, Christmas table invites on your seat. We intentionally put three. We didn't do it as a mistake. There might be two or three of these on every second seat. Grab, grab them and give them out to your friends. Give them out to your families. Let's see this place full. No, I'm kind of like, like you know that story. I don't want to see this place empty when we when we're putting something on for the community. You know, I want to see this place full. I want to see your friends in this place. I want to see your family in this place. I want to see your colleagues in this place. I'm going to invite my colleagues, even though they live in the you know on the eastern side of this city. I'm still going to invite them because you know what? One might come. One might come, and that one counts. I want to end with this thought. On Friday night, like you saw, I went on that teacup ride. And my head was spinning after because I was with two champions of our church, two young boys, and we were spinning. He spun us so fast, I couldn't see anything. And I was like, I'm not going to be the one who's going to be sick on a teacup ride. I am strong. But I went on it. You know, and I bought some tickets for these boys. And as I held these tickets in my hand, And as I waited in line, I had a thought that if I don't give these tickets, there's that photo, if I don't give these tickets to those boys, 
they won't be able to enter something that was purchased for them. They won't be able to go in because they don't have the tickets that I purchased for them. If I don't give it to them, that was their ticket to go on the ride. You know, we need to live a life on mission, on purpose, understanding that we have tickets in our hand, unlimited tickets for people to attend God's great feast, to enter His kingdom. But they are no use to those people. They are no use to those people if we never give those tickets to them, if we never share about Jesus, if we never put out that invite and, and the, something that was purchased for them, they may they might not know it was purchased for them or they may never know that something was purchased for them, that they could enter the kingdom for God, that it was purchased, all paid for, all paid for. That's the challenge for me, for you. As his church, there is a mandate to go, to invite those we know, even those we, those we may not know, invite them into God's kingdom. Invite them into this place. This is not his kingdom, but, you know, this is a place where we can accept his invite to his kingdom. He won't force it upon us. He wants us to make our own decisions, which I just think, God, why don't you just let, why don't you just tell everyone you're in? If I was God, that's what I would have said. You're all in. But you know what? He wanted us to be in from our hearts, not from our minds, from our hearts. He wants us to, to, to choose Him. You know, we can only have one master. He wants us to choose Him. To go and live a life that shows that we love people. To show Jesus' love and show His kindness to others. You know, we're doing our four at the moment, which we'll always do. Four people in our lives that we can show kindness to. Four people that we can just be generous with or, or give them time or go out for a coffee. And, you know, that kindness is going to change their hearts. And they will ask questions. Why are you so kind? It is the heart of God that is in us. It is the Holy Spirit that lives in us. So I urge you, let's go out and put the invite out. Put this invite out. Whether it's inviting to our Christmas table, whether it's inviting to a, a, a Sunday service, maybe it's inviting them to connect group, maybe it's inviting them to prayer meeting. People come. I urge you, I urge you to put the invite out. I'm believing and declaring as we invite, people will come and accept God's ultimate invite into eternal life with Him. Let's be bold. Let's be bold this season. You know, what have we got to lose? Nothing. Maybe our pride. Who cares? You know, in the long run, who cares about pride? Let's go out and be bold. We are preparing a place. We are preparing a table. Let's see this place full. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Why don't we all stand? You know, you might be sitting in this place, now standing in this place. And maybe you don't know Jesus. Maybe you've been given a ticket and you've just, maybe you haven't accepted it. Maybe once you accepted that ticket, but you've, you've just put it on the shelf. 
you put that on the shelf. You know, the Bible says, you know, that nothing can separate us from, our, from being with God. Once we decide that we are with Him, nothing can separate us. So maybe you've put that on the shelf, but you just want to renew that, that, that relationship with Him. Or maybe, yeah, so maybe you just, you've never taken that invite. You've always said no, or, or maybe you've never even heard that you could be saved. And in this moment, I want to put that invite out with every eyes closed. I want to put that invite out. I want to give you that ticket to the kingdom that was purchased to, for you 2,000 years ago when Jesus died on that cross. He purchased it for you. He purchased your soul. He died on that cross for all our wrongs, for all our sins. He put, took it to the cross. You know, when he was on that cross, he saw your name and he did it for you. He did it for your name. He did it for your life. And he wants you to accept that today. If that's you, you're in, in this place. Why don't you lift up that hand? You've never accepted Jesus into your life. Or maybe you were once with him and you walked away from him and you want to be in that relationship with him again that daily relationship where we talk to Him. If that's you, why don't you lift up your hand in this place? We'll pray a short prayer. Thank you, Jesus.